Gentlemen, you tuned into an all new episode of the Rap Lab. It's your boy, the motherfucking Candyman, the A L F R E to the D. It's the one and only T O, it's the Dilio. And it's your boy, QG. And today's episode of the Rap Lab is for the children. If you don't know what I mean, we talking about Wu Tang. And uh, for the first Woo. time ever on the history of the podcast, we have a guest, special guest co host this week. The Rev Barber himself, Mr. Eric Ruiz. Eric, what's up, bro? What up, what up? Appreciate y'all having me. It's an honor to be the first guest of the Rap Lab podcast. Yes, sir. Now, we're going to have a rule going forward for any guest. You got to tell us how you know the person that brought you on. So I know you're a friend of uh, QG personally, so you could just go into your history just real quick. How y'all became boys and whatnot. Yeah, me and QG used to go back to high school. St. John's and all that. We actually was part of a small little cipher in one of our homies' basements. And um, we just kicked it from there, just from the love of hip-hop, man. And we both showed out lyrically then. It's always been love. It's always been respect. We um, kept up with each other throughout the years. And it's just been super love. He invited me to the podcast and everything because he knows my knowledge of hip-hop, you know, it's through the years and everything. So I'm just excited to be here, man, and just blessed and glad to have a... Um, a brother like like QG in my life, you know. Absolutely, oh, and uh, on behalf That's of everybody, right there. on behalf of everybody on the team, yes, we like to say welcome to the Rap Lab, my friend. Yes, yes sir. Yes, yes sir. sir. Hey, hey, man. I mean, for all those that don't know, I wouldn't be rapping. I wouldn't know anything about rapping if we didn't have those moments with the cipher. You took me in and encouraged me and always pushed me to put my best foot forward. So when we started this whole thing, I was telling the boys. If there's anybody we got to have as a guest on here, it's got to be my homeboy, E, because he's going to bring his knowledge. So it's just an honor and a pleasure to have you here with us, man. Well, good. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Uh, before we before we get into the podcast, is there anything that you want to, because, you know, as, as people that have been listening to us, this is our 21st episode, so we 20 episodes Ooh. deep. 
And um, yeah. the people have gotten to know the three of us. But is there anything that you want the masses to know about you? Like any anything you involved in, any businesses you got or anything like that? Word up. I am the Reverend Barber. That does mean I am a reverend and I'm also a barber. Simple as that. I'm into cutting hair now. Been doing it for the past uh, year and a half or so. Working a barbershop in Astoria, Hellgate Grooming. Shout out to them. Also um, do on the side, do uh, weddings as well. I'm also a licensed minister. So if anybody getting married out there, you know, give your boy a call. Also, I Mac, host you party. heard that, Mac? You heard that? <laughs> <laughs> Make sure. <laughs> also uh, host parties as well. If anybody needs an MC on the mic, get the crowd hype and everything. I'm that guy. Also, you know, dabber in the lyrics. Been doing that since I was 12, you know. But uh, it's a big pool out there. It's a huge game. So I'll just focus more on uh, just the haircutting and uh, doing my reverend thing, you know. Absolutely. And where can anybody reach you? Where can anybody reach you if they want that's, to contact you? You could get me on Instagram. That's revbarber.mc. R-E-V-B-A-R-B-E-R dot M-C. Mm-hmm. All so, right. Talk about all right. So we we off, we rocking, we rolling, and uh, yeah. So we gonna get into today's topic. It's the Wu Tang Clan, ladies and gentlemen. So you got to do the martial arts intro. <laughs> Yo, you know what? We we should we should edit we should edit that in. Uh, yeah, that'd be dope. That'd be fly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you can't uh, you can't you can't talk about Wu Tang without martial arts. Uh, but first off, let's start from the very beginning. So Wu-Tang Clan is a hip-hop collective. Honestly, if you don't know Wu-Tang, you've probably been living under a rock your whole life. But um, Wu-Tang um, is from Staten Island. So let's talk for a second because Wu-Tang comes about in the early 90s. like ni- They form in like 91, 92. And they come from Staten Island. And Staten Island is not really, when you look at New York City... And at the at, so let's picture ourselves in 1992 real quick. Um, you've already had Queens with a successful a successful place in rap because you know you have all, everybody from Queensbridge. You had Run DMC out of Hollis. Uh, you go to Brooklyn. You've had the Big Daddy Canes. Uh, you go to you go to the Bronx. You've had KRS-One and Boogie Down Productions, and even Harlem up to this point had Curtis Blow, who had mainstream crossover. But then you go to Staten Island, and nobody that rapped was from Staten Island. So, um, QG, let's let's spin it to you. Um, why do you think like Staten Island was just so irrelevant in hip hop up to that point? I think at that particular time, looking at the other boroughs and to quarterback with what you were saying as well, you also had the West Coast establish their dominance. You also had Jersey cement themselves in hip hop. So I think that at the time. Staten Island was trying to find its own identity. They didn't want to follow the Queens formula or the Brooklyn formula or the Bronx or Manhattan or anywhere else. They were trying to come with something different, something original, something that they could claim as their own. That way, when people look at it, they're like, that's Staten Island. So I think for a time, they were just waiting, just watching and learning and taking notes and studying and trying to figure a way to separate themselves from what was already out and then when they finally arrive in the hip-hop, hit it with a boom, just like that. This is Staten Island. This is what we're about. And and maybe, Eric, you could touch on this, but even as just a New, even as just a New Yorker in general, 
The only thing Staten Island is really notable for is is a ferry that takes you from Manhattan to the island. Like for a long time, like nothing like as far as hip hop wise, like and maybe just life in general, like nothing really happens out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I actually used to work out there for uh, under a year. It's pretty suburban out there. Kind of reminds you of uh, Long Island. Not much going on out there. Um, they do have a lot of projects out there. They're pretty much to themselves, though. The closest um, borough is Brooklyn, which they have ties to as far as um, Wu-Tang as well. They got some of the members there, too. But there's not much out there that that is, is too known to us out there, you know? And it's funny you mentioned Long Island because even up until this point, Long Island had some successful uh, rappers. Rakim's from Long Island, EPMD, yep. Uh, yep, K, right. K Solo. Uh, they're yeah. all from Long Island, so yeah. and they they had uh, an amount of success. So let let's 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 get into Wu Tang. So Wu Tang forms. Uh, for those who may not know Wu Tang, we'll just go down the the roster of their members. So you got a uh, Method Man. You got Ghostface Killer, you've got Raekwon, you've got RZA, you've got the Jizza, uh, Old Dirty Bastard, aka ODB, you've got um Master Killer, You God, and Capadonna. So this is a this is a nine-man quartet right here. And uh well, quartet, you know, is four, but it's a nine-man unit. And um their first album, which which we we're gonna get into in just a second, return uh Enter the 36 Chambers, has gone down as a as a certified classic. So what we're going to do real quick, we're going to go around the room. We'll start off with you first, T.O. And just give us your thoughts on the first time you heard that album. Well, the first time I heard that album, I, I was like, what the hell? And I didn't mean that in a bad way. I was like, yo, these guys, like to piggyback off QG and uh, what Eric said, this is mostly like at the time when New York was mostly about the four boroughs. We didn't have what was happening in Staten Island. So credit to partially of RZA, that he is a big, partially fan of the martial arts movie. And when I heard the album, I was like, yo, this shit is crazy. And this was now known that, yo, Staten Island is officially in the mix. And I felt like then it was the five boroughs that finally completed as far as hip hop getting involved. Now, of course, one of the uh, all time breakout singles was, you know, Protect Your Neck. And just like uh, we was making those sound effects earlier, like <laughs> 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 the song comes up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 like I said, like the whole album is it was just their way. And that's why I fuck with Wu Tang. And to me, this is why I, I I love how they broke out with Thirty Six Chambers. And it, first of all, it's it's an album it's an album that's hardly to skip. You can't skip a damn song off that album. I don't know how other people feel. But it was hard to skip a song on that album. And everybody did their great job contributing to the first album. Uh, what about you, QG? For me, it was easy for me to identify with it because I grew up a big martial arts fan. All those videos of Master Killer and the 36 Chambers and Drunken Monks and just the classics. So all of a sudden, in the fall of 93, I'm hearing this on hip-hop music. And I'm like, what is this? Like, this is something I've never heard before. And then I hear the name Wu-Tang Clan. I'm like, oh, man, this has got to be something amazing to be called the Wu-Tang Clan. Let me see what this is about. And my older brother, he had the tape. And he played the tape of this album. And instantly, it just, I just gravitated towards it. Here you have all these guys in this group. 
and they all sound different and they all can rap. And I was like, this is something unique. This is something fresh. And just the stories that they told on the songs and the way that they approached these songs, they painted a picture of Staten Island. For those that have never been there, you can actually picture it in your mind when you listen to these lyrics and you hear these songs. And especially with songs like um, Can It Be All So Simple and uh, Cream, where everybody could relate to a song called Cream because when you're out there hustling, that's, that became the hustler's anthem. And the terminologies that they were coming up with. Nobody else was using it at the time. Wu-Tang came up with all these different slangs that people especially, started using. Especially the word cream. No one was using cream like Wu-Tang. No, no cash rules everything cash, around me. Exactly. So hearing that, I just became a fan instantly. And they are my favorite hip-hop group of all time. All right. And, 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 also, and, and as Mac was saying, well, that's me, by the way. The, you could you could feel the different styles of all artists. Everybody had a unique style. You know who ODB sound like? Ghostface give you his uh example where he sounds like Method Man, easy to re recognize, RZA, all that. It was just a match made in heaven for these particular guys to come as a group. And this is a this is like a nine man group. We ain't really have that much people busting out. Like you you could say Juice Crew, but that's collectively. We're talking about people like these guys starting off as a group group. And this is, uh, this is that's, like that's, that's, that's true. That's absolutely true. And um, up until this point, like, you know, up, like we're talking about late 93. We've seen group albums before. We've seen NWA. I mean, NWA and the posse was was just enormous as far as the amount of different voices you hear on that on that album. But like that was like a loose collective thing. This is an actual group. Um, Eric, we're gonna toss it to you. Uh, what was your first impressions of, of Enter the Thirty Six Chambers when you when you first heard it? Man, it was just super super raw. When I saw the video of Protect Your Neck, I just didn't even know what to think about hip hop anymore. It just was not like everything that I had known it to be as far as with Run DMC and even the G Funk stuff with them and the Lowriders and everything. These dudes were like in black and white and Project Hallways and just just straight street, you know. And it was super relatable because, you know, back in those times in the early 90s, you know, everything was pretty gritty in New York City. So it wasn't like um, the stuff that I was watching as far as, you know, um, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and everybody else. I just just related more to Wu-Tang because I felt like that was my backyard, even though Staten Island wasn't a place that I would go to all the time or anything we knew much of. It just seemed like way, way more relatable to me. And they had songs like, you know, Tears and... Can it be also simple, which weren't the most um, hardcore, but it wasn't commercial either. It kind of was just in the middle and they were talking about real life and Seventh Chamber, which had no chorus in there, just like Protect Your Neck was amazing to me because I was used to songs with choruses and just hearing them just attack the mic and attack the instrumental. It just took me by surprise and introduced me to a whole new world of, of hip hop and rap. Absolutely. And as far as me, myself, um, like when I first heard it and now before I even get into my reaction, because I, I feel like what I'm about to say is going to trigger a bigger conversation. But um, before we get into that, let's just point out out of these nine guys, only two of them had ever had major label experience. Um, for those who don't know, the Jizza was on uh, Cold Chillin' Records, which we touched on in a previous episode on the podcast cold chilling you know was was responsible for putting out uh records by the juice crew 
Uh, he was known as the genius at that point in time, and he came out with an album. And then the RZA also was on a uh, Tommy Boy at one point in time, and um, he had released um, an EP under the name um, Prince Rakim that a lot of people don't know about. Some people, most people, probably don't haven't even heard that. That's probably one of his buried works. Well, but, the ladies um, know about it. We love yes, you, the ladies would know about it. <laughs> <laughs> But, my son, uh, my, my part of me, my son is that, um, actually his middle name is Rakim. So my wife sings that to him all the time. And it's the most annoying thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that, that, that's, that's appropriate though. But, um, yeah, so th- those two are the only, are the only two with, uh, any type of, uh, I wouldn't say rap experience. Cause you know, you could like be on the streets in a cypher, but they're the only two who like, you know, had, were signed to major labels at one point. So the most of the crew is is inexperienced, and that goes to what I, my thoughts on the album. Because when I first heard it, I didn't get into Wu Tang until later on. Like my first experience with Wu Tang was Wu Tang Forever, which is their second album. So mm-hmm. I went backward. So when I first heard Enter the Thirty Six Chambers, my initial thought was, why does it sound like this? And I'm not talking about like the grittiness or uh, or of the beats or anything. Um. Come to find out, they recorded like if you if you go and listen to that album and then pop in something from a, from the time period, like you'll hear the sound quality is like off. Like yeah. you'll have to turn it up extra high if you really want to like crank it. And um, come to find out, they recorded they recorded that album on some water damaged equipment in the studio, which is like beyond me because I don't even know how you get functionality out of water damaged equipment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's the evil genius of the RZA, man. He found yep. a way. And then not only that, but like right now we're in 2020. So we've seen multiple classic albums get re-released three, four, five, or in the case of the chronic, like 10 times. But they never did remaster Enter the 36 Chambers. Why do y'all think that is? Um, Eric, we start with you first. It's just a genuine sound. And, you know, like you said, it was done on the uh, broken equipment there. And that's timeless. You know, it's hard to capture that again. Once you lay something down like that, remastering it kind of just puts more paint on the Picasso that don't need to be on there. It, it's just perfect the way it is, I feel. Well, that, that's true. That's true. Uh, QG, what you think? You can't get more grimy or gritty than the sound of static. And I think that's where they were going. You want to get that grittiness, that rawness, that darkness. So when you have that... and it wasn't just uh, Wu that was also doing that to just throw it around a little bit. Even Havoc, he was doing production like that as well. So you, if you want to capture the essence of the streets and the message you're trying to paint, that dark cloud that's over people's head, you got to keep it in its original form. You don't got to clean it up. You don't got to wash it with soap. You don't got to do nothing. Just present it as dirty and gritty and grimy as it is. I think that's why they left it. And uh, Mac, what about you? It's hard to tell after those two took uh, took my words, but <laughs> like, I said, like, like I said, the style the style they made, the, the sound they made was just too perfect, and it was like I said, it was. I'm just gonna piggyback earlier. It's a Staten Island point of view for them, and they give you a different type of sound. And to me, they didn't have to remaster it. They could have, but I think it could have gone either way. If they didn't, I wouldn't. I would have been fine with it. If they did, I'd probably still been fine, depending how they remaster it. But 36 Chambers was just a unique sound, and it was it was a fresh new look for hip-hop, especially in 93. 
partially. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And um, one thing we'll touch on before we um, before we move on from thirty six chambers, uh, and this goes back to our uh, episode where we talk about you know CDs and the value of how, having albums. Uh, the original pressing of thirty six chambers you can't even find no more. Uh, the track conclusion was on there, and it got taken off and replaced with a uh, remix of M-E-T-H-O-D, Man. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you cop that album now, you ain't going to hear that song. Sample issues came back to bite it. But, um, yeah, so speaking of Method Man, so collectively, Wu-Tang Clan, Clan had a deal with Loud. Um, you know, Loud, Relativity, they all fall under that umbrella. And um, then the talk of solo albums comes, comes, up, to, uh, comes up to the front. And Method Man signs with Def Jam, and he is the first person in the clan to release a solo album and what would be a string of classic albums, that classic debut albums at that, that they would all release. Uh, the name of that album, Takal, drops in 1994. Um, same thing. We're going to go around the room and just speak about the importance and how you felt when you first heard Takal. So, Eric, since you're the guest, you get to go first. Um, your, your initial thoughts on um, Takal. Takao was just more of that grittiness, more of that broken equipment sounding rap, real hardcore rap there. Um, I actually went to John Jay and my English teacher had taught a lesson based on the album Takao. It was probably one of the best classes I was ever a part of. And he broke down some of the songs and the lyrics and the meaning of it. And nothing replicates the early 90s and, and the vibe and the era that, that it brought to not just hip hop, but the world, you know, to have an English teacher in a, a, a college that everybody knows in New York teach about lyrics is, is very impactful. And, you know, he had a couple of singles off that album, you know, that may not make it to airplay or, or even video today, like release your Delph, you know, you don't hear songs, yeah. Yeah, you don't hear songs like that today. And, you know, she's, she sung her heart out on that intro, you know? Absolutely. QG, you could you could you could take a hit from here. Your 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 initial thoughts on on Meth's first joint? I love that album um, for the fact that Method Man has one of the most recognizable and outstanding <laughs> voices in hip hop, and he's the type of guy that could just flow on any beat that you throw him on. So just with flow alone, it's like hot fire, liquid water, man, just going through there. And when I heard it, and you can't just call it to cow, you got to say. To Cal, you got to say what he said. And, uh, and, and also with the comic book references, you know, we, he calls himself Johnny Blaze. As a comic fan, you're like, oh, man, you're the Ghost Rider. So, you know, him mentioning that in the raps and just like what he was talking about with those songs. I mean, Bring the Pain, everybody knows about. Sub Crazy and Mr. Sandman. And what I love about it. He didn't deter from what Wu-Tang was doing, even though he went solo. He still kept that sound. You know, he was just one member of the chamber showing you what he can do. But he still kept it collectively under that Wu umbrella. So when that album came out, impressive. And it's a critical acclaimed classic. Right, right. And uh, Mac, uh, your, your, your thoughts on, on Takao? When I first heard it was a bit of a test because now it's like, all right, they wasted no time trying to get, you know, the solo career already. So, you know, Method Man being the first and technically the only one of that particular year. But when I first heard the album, it's like 
he he never lost his formula. He he kept his formula great, and he just kept the same style. But the productions was quite quite good too. Um, one of my favorite tracks on that album, it was a posse cut too, and it was with Street Life. It was a, it was with a lot of people. Street Life. Um, Mr. Sandman. Mr. Sandman. That one. It was a. It, I thought it was a hot record, man. That, that was one of my favorite records on the album. Of course, Bring the Pain. I love that particular track because, you know, it had that particular sound and, you know, sound like something in the boxing ring, in my opinion. But <laughs> this also made me think that at the time, like, and remember when y'all said it was Def Jam, we were always talking about how Def Jam sort of got saved because Method Man gave Def Jam for life. And not only that, the same year, you had also Left Field, the G-Funk of Warren G's Regulate. So when you look at Takao, it's one of the most recognizable and classic debut albums of 1994. And, you know, we talked about in our uh, previous episodes of 96, 98, but 94 as well gets an honorable mention with a lot of classics. But um, as far as, uh, you know, all other singles, release Shadelf and everything else, this was a great album. I'm sorry. And this also gave a boost, a boost to Method Man because later on, He's the only artist to guest on Biggie's Ready to Die album. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody wanted to work with him after that. The lone feature on the what? The what? And this was a great, great boost for Method Man to start after the group. Let me let me ask y'all a question. And this is sort of like, uh, let's jump back into history and will we change anything? So let me ask you out of everybody in Wu-Tang, and we'll start with you, Eric, first. Um, if you could go back in time, and line up the nine Wu-Tang members, and you had to pick one to release the first solo project from the clan, would you still go with Method Man all these years later? Oh, yeah, I definitely would. You know, he had a big presence on on the choruses and the hooks and everything. And even um, they wanted him to perform solo on the Arsenio Hall show, which caused a little bit of conflict within the group. But it just goes to show that he was a big mega star within the group. Uh, what about what about you, QG? You 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 uh, you'd still pick Method Man to drop the first one? I'd still pick Method Man. I mean, the man he was he's just so marketable, and like Eric was saying, on the strength of him being on those choruses, his voice being so recognizable, especially on the song "Cream," which is one of those big highlight records that Wu-Tang will always play. You got to take that guy right there that's doing the chorus. Okay, we got to put him out next. We got to put him on the forefront because he just has this presence about him. I would have kept it the same way and put Method Man out first. Same here. Yeah, all right. So it's a unanimous it's a unanimous decision and I'm going to I'm going to agree with that as well. Uh, plus Method's charismatic, man. He has <laughs> so much charisma. <laughs> and he bleeds like, charisma. Bleed. And just like you mentioned, Cream, I still don't know what the hell was his problem. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. He was hanging with ODB. He had an ODB moment. <laughs> and um, knowing what we know now and seeing yeah. how things played out through history, I think they made the, the right choice because not to downplay the other members, but as far as like mainstream appeal, Method Man is 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 clearly the front runner. Uh, aside from rap, he's been on. He's had his own TV show. He's been in movies. So I think he's like the the most well known member amongst the mainstream audience. But and, funny, and I, go ahead. I uh, before you continue, Al, the song "All I Need" or "You All I Need" from uh, Mary J with Mary the J. The remix, woo, remix. You know, I, I ain't gonna lie. I like both Bad Boy and Razor Sharp remix, 
But either way, the song still gave notable recogni- uh, recognition for Wu Tang, especially Meth, because that also won a Grammy. I, I know a couple weeks ago we said Flavoring Your Ear remix should have been on Craig Mack album. All I Need remix should have been on the album. <laughs> if I could um, shed some light on that, my bad. Yeah, I cut go ahead. Guys off, but no, there was a competition no, no, between um, RZA and Diddy about that. And that's why um, RZA went ahead and he made the Razor Sharp remix and everything and didn't put um, Diddy's version on, on Met The Man's album because Barry J was actually um, Diddy's artist at the time. Uptown. Ah, all right, so... See, we, 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 we shed light on things on Rap Lab, folks. We, we shed some light. But um, QG, you mentioned ODB, and that's where we're going to next. He's oh. the second member of the clan to drop an album. <laughs> and, uh... Oh, man, Mariah! <laughs> my, my goodness is all I can say. What a um, guy, man. Oh, love that guy. Miss that guy. So, so it's Return to the 36 Chambers. Yes. And um, yeah. it drops in early 95. And ODB is like an enigma. He's just an interesting... <laughs> <laughs> like, throughout the man's career, he's been known as, as Old Dirty Bastard. Uh, if y'all ever watched Chappelle's show, he was Old Dirty Chinese Restaurant, which, I mean... <laughs> you know, we not trying to offend nobody, but that shit was funny. But... Uh, Nah, but let, let's let's talk about our, uh, ODB and a lot of people. And see now, me now me listening to what I grew up listening to, I came up on on Master P and, and No Limit. So I'm hearing ODB for the first time, and I'm like, Yo, is is he crazy? Like what? Like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> like the whole the whole album from Oh Baby, I Like It Raw. Like, yeah, yeah. Bro. And even and even the way he kicks off Brooklyn Zoo, like he had to be under the influence of something in that recording process. God bless his soul, man. You but, will um, love this. I'm not I'm not gonna lie, I had to I had to listen to Return to the 36 Chambers multiple times only because only because it had to grow it, it had to grow on me, but um, one thing about that album I do appreciate, especially being in New York, the album cover. This man took the food stamp ID card <laughs> and made that into an album cover. Yo, shout out to whoever designed that. But, and there's a mural, and there's a mural of that too. Uh, yes, there is a mural. Uh, so let's let's go around. Um, because you know, uh, ODB. I mean, he did release another album after this, but that album didn't nearly do as as well as this one did so we go around the room we start with with you first qg um just your thoughts on not only the album but odb overall as as an artist odb as an artist to me is unique here's a guy that is so original nobody sounds like this guy he's and he the person that he is on the mic is the person that he is in real life this is when art imitates life. He's the drunken monk of the group. And to go along with that, especially when he did the interview where he's going to a deli to purchase something with food stamps. He's coming out of a limo and he's going in there to purchase it. He's like, hey, the people from my neighborhood know me. They know who I am. I'm not fronting for anybody. And that's what I love about ODB. With the album itself, the sound, the quality, just like following with the Wu umbrella and that Wu signature sound. Here he is bringing in something totally different. And not only, he's also representing Brooklyn. He's bringing that 
He's bringing two styles together. Here you have the Staten Island sound. Then you got this Brooklyn sound, this raw sound, and you merge it and you create something that could be appreciated everywhere. And that's what I loved about it. You could you could talk about Brooklyn Zoo. You could talk about shimmy shimmy y'all, shimmy yeah, shimmy yay. You could talk about all these different records. Damage. You could talk about you know uh, even snakes, which 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 also was a posse cut, but. That's why, till this day, you know, when I think about ODB, I, I miss him so tremendously because he just—he's just a guy that you could just—he could make you laugh, he could hype you up. He was just so different and unique, and uh, he was just great. Uh, T.O., what about what about your 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 thoughts on the album and the artist? Well, he's related to T.O., so this would be good. <laughs> oh, good, goodness gracious! <laughs> well. This man represents Brooklyn, specifically Fort Greene, and I actually have a few people who I know in real life that actually will tell you that they have seen this man in real life, and, you know, he's he's one of the coolest cats to actually be around, but at the same time, he's a comedian. And speaking of comedian, that's exactly what I saw on this damn album. Very raw, very unique, and, you know, he's, he's letting you know this is the Brooklyn Zoo right here. Now, of course, he gets them stupid ad-libs, but I love it. It's just so it's just so him. And like QG said, that's 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 ODB in real life. And and even my mom could tell you this. My mom's my mom um is a dance teacher. She used to actually teach out in the school out on Patchen Avenue, that's in Brooklyn, um, Bedstock or CS21. And one of her daughters used to actually be in a dance class and who used to pick her up. Mom said all the time it was actually ODB. So yo, when I, yo I, I hate to cut you off, but you always rubbing elbows with these hip hop legends when you was younger. You realize that? Yo, check out episode one, so. people. This, this man, this man was palling around. This man was palling around with, with Big L when he was five years old. But continue. For like two minutes. Thank you very much. That's a, that's another story, L.E. Yeah. But nah, but nah. It, it it was another good. It was another great look for Wu Tang because, like I said, everybody has different styles coming out of that group. So now they're gonna give you an example solo wise. So Mev gave you his example, and now it was ODB's turn to give you his example to sh to show you who the real ODB is. Shout out and rest in peace to Dirt McGurk. And then that that uh that unorthodox style is one of a kind and unique. And I know I know uh his rhyme his rhyme pattern, his voice, his cadence, just everything is just unmistakable. Like you you if you play any ODB verse, not even just a record, a verse. For somebody, they can't mistake him for nobody else. Like it's it's, it's just impossible. Uh, Eric, uh, your thoughts on Return to Thirty Six Chambers and, and ODB is just an artist. He he himself is just a classic individual, and you know a lot shines from his parents because his parents used to listen to a lot of soul music, and you could see the influence in his rhymes and in his art. He has a lot of sing along songs like Shimmy Shimmy Y'all, Baby Come On, even Drunk Game, where. You don't have to necessarily know the lyrics, but there's parts of that song where you could just sing along to on the top of your lungs, just like he did. I feel he was definitely the most special and versatile member of the clan. And even during that album, they already had him working on his second album, which he was about to title The Black Man is God, The White Man is the Devil. And that mm. never came out. And, um, you know, he, he was extremely controversial even back then, not only with that title, but just his habits and his ways, which, you know, along the line of time, it got to him and sadly he had passed away. But as far as him being versatile, 
he can't be slept on as, as a lyrical MC either. And Brooklyn Zoo shows you that once again, another song with no chorus, which he added the chorus at the very end, but he just carried that song with lyrics throughout the whole thing. And Damage as well, a song on that album too. He just gets super lyrical on that. And yeah, and, man. And also man. They laugh that this man is actually related to Flavor Flav. <laughs> and what a lot of people don't know, um, and we we just touched on this briefly earlier, but Wu Tang is not entirely Staten Island. RZA, Jizza, and ODB, who are all cousins, they're the uh, the Brooklyn. I like to call them the Brooklyn Collective of Wu Tang. And the Brooklyn representatives. But, and the funny thing is, before they started, all three had a group, or supposedly started a group called uh, All of Together Now. Yeah. Group, yes, right they there. did. So technically, and it's, and these are three people from Brooklyn. Yep. So we could call them the, the founding fathers of Wu-Tang. Um, now, after ODB and Return to 36 Chambers, my second favorite Wu solo project of all time, only built for Cuban links. My man, Ooh. Raekwon. Now, the way that this album is billed on the cover and the way it's <laughs> listed, it's Raekwon featuring Ghostface Killer. For the whole, like, you had never heard that. Like, you heard features on songs, but the whole album, no? But, nah, this, <laughs> this, this, nah, this, this album right here was super, super, super fire. Um, Like, Raekwon, like, really, really <laughs> nailed that. Uh, a lot Can of you mind don't... if I add to that real quick? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I always wanted to do this. <clears throat> if you guys remember that uh, intro to Incarcerated Scarface, once we go again with the martial arts, he looks determined without being ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream full of passion. <laughs> <laughs> that was just so damn good. So, yeah. Uh, uh, and, um, Juan, the chef, it. he is the chef. And a lot of people may or may not know this, but uh, Only Built for Cuban Links is also known as the Purple Tape because when it back in the day they still released albums on cassette. The cassette was purple. It's the only purple cassette in the history of not even just rap, but just the history of history, pretty much. Um, but incarcerated. Not incarcerated Scarface, which is also a good a good song, but verbal intercourse will always and forever just be my shit on that album. It's a, oh, it's a, it's it's a yo. Nas Nas was the only outside feature that wasn't on Wu Tang on that record, and uh, they all killed that song. So for me, it's um it's a tie between uh that and Ice Water, but um we'll go around. Same thing, you know. QG, we'll start you off first since you uh you did the intro <laughs> very nicely and, and well. Uh, I, I, hey man, like once again, let me tell you, um, the purple tape is is what is what everybody was calling it when when it when it came out. Everybody, they said the purple tape, purple tape, purple tape, and I'm like, what is the purple tape? Then they showed it to me in the actual color of it, and I'm like, oh man, this is amazing. So, what I loved about it is, it was like a movie. From start to finish with the intro, striving for perfection, it's creating something. And then it just goes down the line with knuckleheads, which is amazing, mm -hmm. knowledge, God, criminology, all the way down, rainy days, uh, you know what I mean? And I need to point out as well, like when this came out, because we've had this conversation before, there was some controversy as far as one of the skits on there. 
and and I know my man E will touch this out because competition was very high among the MCs. So everybody wanted to cement themselves. So when Ray came out, Ray just brought this flavor. And that's why I like to call him because he is the chef. It's flavor. It's the way he put his words together, the wordplay, his voice, and just what he presented. And having Ghostface along with him, I always felt that him and Ghostface are just a match made in heaven, the way those two blend together on songs. And listening to that album, instantly Ray became one of my favorites from the group. Yo, Eric, you want to touch on that controversy that uh, QG had just brought up? Uh, yeah, I know, I know, yeah, uh, yeah. I know you, like, you're, the, you're the resident Wu-Tang expert in here. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> All school, about biting, about biting in the sharks, man. You know, yeah, school, that, school, school the people for us. Yeah, so if you don't know, they did have a skit on there in the middle of the album, side two of the purple tape, going at uh, Biggie Smalls for the uh, replication of doing the child on the album cover just like Nas did and they named Nas name on there they didn't name Biggie on that but they had a big problem with um Nas I'm sorry uh Biggie replicating that concept right there and they did have Nas which was the lone feature on there Ghost and Ray were very outspoken these guys did not hold their tongue for anybody or anything and you know that that shows in their mafia type rap you know Wu Gambino's it, it shows in those lyrics as well you know and yep with that, with that being said, they also flipped it and made commercial songs. Well, not commercial, but more uh, radio-friendly songs like Ice Cream. You couldn't avoid that song if you had the box back in the day. That was so requested. All the time, I turned on the box and would see that video. That's right. And, you know, right. it, was, it, it felt like a Wu-Tang album to me, too, because it had every member on there. All, all, all the members were on there featured in somewhat or some way on the song. Then it also introduced uh, Capadonna, who became later the uh, 10th member. After um, yeah. he had passed away, yeah, Cappuccino the Great, yeah. Um, to your 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 thoughts on Only Built for Cuban Links? Classic album. First first off, it this is Ray's standpoint of like talking about certain things, regardless a bit of drugs, and it felt like a bit of a mix of not only the East Coast raw, but a bit of mafioso rap. That's how I took it, in my opinion. But one of my favorite joints I always fucks with, actually two of them, Rainy Days was one of them, but Heaven and Hell does. I always felt Heaven and Hell, and I don't know what type of name is, Blue Raspberry, that was the singer's name, what an interesting ass name. <laughs> but I always felt like um, Heaven and Hell was one of my favorite joints. I just, I, you know, the, 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 the sound, the production, the, the lyrics by both Ghost and Array, and I also felt like at that time that, like, you know how Jay-Z always talk about Crystal, uh, Crystal? I felt like only Bill for Cuba Links gave that bit of a boost first. As much as they talked about Crystal on that album and even in real life, they even went to dinners with, uh, you know, with some of the camps in Loud Records. So, you know, all this time you hear Crystal getting... Uh, a bit of a boost in sales because of Jay-Z. I don't believe that. I thought it was Raekwon's the Only Built for Cuban Links album. But when you look at Only Built for Cuban Links album, again, this is another big score for Wu-Tang. So Meth is done. ODB is done. Raekwon, you did your job. And the momentum is the momentum keeps going, in my opinion. Yep, and the momentum did keep going. Um, hey, after- oh, wait, I, I, I got to do one more thing. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. The ice cream man is coming. Ice cream man, yeah. Because uh, after only built for Cuban links. Now, 
I'm about to call this album we about to talk about the most intellectual rap album I have ever heard. And the first after the first time I heard it, my brain hurt. True story. <laughs> um, oh boy. Liquid Swords by Jizza. And the reason mm. why it's associated with a chessboard, because that album will fuck with your brain. Um that album uh and it's funny because I used to tell people for a long time that album is just too smart. It's just too smart. Like there's just it's just no way around it. I feel like even though yes, it does sound like Wu Tang, Liquid Swords. Liquid Swords is it's just it's just intellectual. Like it's not meant for your your average your average rap fan. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm sure Eric, you you like you understand what I'm trying to convey when I say it's too intellectual of an album. Yes, sir. You wanna yeah, you wanna elaborate on Liquid Swords for us? Oh yeah, most definitely. As far as that album being super, super lyrical, he came out with a song on that called Labels, which he started naming off the current labels during that time and just putting them into raps. And as you said, even the album art is very intellectual with the chessboard and them fighting and everything. He carried on the martial arts tradition of Wu-Tang. And a small tidbit there, Duel of the Iron Mike, ODB actually was supposed to have a verse on that, a full verse, but uh, he was too... uh, kind of messed up there so they just let him do the chorus and you could kind of hear it on the chorus as well <laughs> um and capadonna also was supposed to be on duel of the iron mic but for schedule reasons he couldn't be on that and little known fact that album definitely did go platinum continue the consistency of these guys selling units uh, absolutely and um it's funny because if you buy the album now, you can get the deluxe edition, which comes with a goddamn chessboard. That that's that's marketing right there. <laughs> that is um, something different. But for those of y'all who do want to cop the album, um, you could get it for literally five dollars. Like, I if you don't have any Wu Tang or you don't have any Jizzes, I highly recommend you cop that album. Yo, QG, what's your thoughts on Liquid Swords, my guy? And uh, before you before you go at it, uh, I take a vanilla soft serve, my guy. <laughs> you gonna send the money for it? Uh, yeah, I, I sell you, bro. Because I'm not going out there without the payment first, man. Uh, 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 basically, Liquid Swords. And what I love about it, too, when we talked about the martial arts uh, skits and everything like that, each member had its own that was different. And when you listen to Jizz's album, that one particular skit where he was like, choose the ball, you go with your mother. Choose the sword, you come with me. What he's doing is he's putting a picture in your mind about choices and what direction do you want to go. He is not only a very intellectual MC, he's a very conscious MC. And he's telling you about what's going on in the world from his perspective. And nobody has broken down the word Bible like how he broke down the word Bible. And it's like, (laughs) that lets you further know where this man's mind is. is. Exactly. Before leaving Earth. I will never forget that acronym for as long as I live. I think in the lexicon of, of before leaving Earth, yes. I think in the lexicon of rap acronyms, that one is a close second to Thug Life. Like I, I just, I got to give it. Yo, what did you, you said it was base? It's basic instruction before leaving basic, Earth. If I'm correct. Basic, it's basic instructions before leaving Earth. That is the acronym for Bible. Shout outs to Jizza. <laughs> but also too to add on to that. What I loved about Jizza is he's also very competitive. I'm talking about going track for track. When you got a song like Cold World, 
Oh, it's him God. and Inspector Deck, and we know how great Deck is. Jizza is like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on this with you. You're gonna come on this with me. We're both gonna kill it. Take a song like Shadowboxing Remember with the Method successful Man. Method Man. So this is what I loved. Competition that, among the group itself was good. It's like, okay, you got these two MCs on here. Who's gonna have the better verse? Who's forces, gonna kill it? Forces everybody to up their game and be better, which is healthy. And Jizza didn't have to scream. He didn't have to yell. He's very laid back. He's he's just one of those guys with that unique personality to just stand there, and you're intrigued just by his presence alone. He didn't have to yell or scream or raise his voice, and you still paid attention to what he had to say. Absolutely, absolutely. Yo, Tio, your thoughts on uh, your thoughts on uh, Liquid Swords, my friend? I don't know, man. The way I listened to Liquid Swords, I felt like it was a teaching. That's how I felt. Because, you know, there's a reason why this man is called a genius. Because, like I said, the lyricism was there. But at the same time, I felt like the album was a bit of a, you know, a teachable moment of certain songs. You know, Cold World is one of my favorite songs as well. Um, you already talked about that. Even investigate, uh, investigative re reports with uh, You Guard, Ray, and Ghost. That was a hot yeah. ass song, too. A lot of people sleep on that song. And you know what? You know what? I, I, I'm, you know what this feels like, in my opinion? I don't want it to go off track. You know how, Al, when you mentioned episodes ago about the cash money, this is what I felt about Jizza. It was like a cash money thing. You know, you, you just get your own people on your album, and then that's it. You're good to go. Absolutely, absolutely. And, like, Wu see, that's what I like about Wu-Tang. They all push each other, and they make it like friendly competition because everybody on those features wants to be wants and, to have the, the, be the best verse. And that's what we're missing today. That's why I feel like Wu-Tang is just, if not... Arguably the best hip-hop group to ever live because like I said, we, we went from the group album to solos But when you had collaborations, they pushed each other to like put your a-game on. I'm coming with That's the best right. heat, You come with the best heat and okay. uh, And we mentioned episodes ago that we always could debate who had the best verse But when it came to these guys, oh god And, and like I said, Shadowbox is another one with Method Man because you know Method Special Man's Technique Yo, oh God. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Absolutely. Special techniques indeed. And then after Liquid Swords. Now, this album has a very firm place in my heart because I know we've had conversations offline. And I've always gone on record and said that this is my favorite Wu solo project out of, out of them all. My man, Ghostface Killer, drops Iron Man in Daytona 500 move for, forever in a day. Like, oh man, I just like a big smile. Did it, did it, did it, That and Winter Wars. Like, I know we spoke about posse cuts way back in the archives, but Winter mm. Wars, that I hear that song, I just get hype, hype like a motherfucker. But <laughs> what, a song. So let, what a song. Oh man. So let, let's talk about Ghostface here because, like, I feel like. And, and I feel like Ghostface has multiple classic albums. I've always said that Ghostface has three that I count. Um, obviously, Iron Man being being the first one. And similar to Raekwon's album, where it was Raekwon featuring Ghostface, um, Ghostface follows a similar theme, because if you look how the album is listed, it's Ghostface Killer featuring Raekwon and Capadonna, and all three of them are on the album on the album yep. cover. Yep. Um. I just I like I I really just love this album. Um 
Eric, you could go first. Your thoughts on, on, on Iron Man as a whole and, and Ghostface. His vocabulary on that album just expanded the mind. He came up with so much slang and so many terms. It just had to up everybody's game, not just in Wu-Tang, but just in hip-hop, period. And he also played on the heartstrings on that album with Motherless Child and All That I Got Is You, where he went on a different lane, a different direction with those songs, where he could touch more on things that impact not just the hood, but families in general. And as you touched, as you touched on before, Daytona 500 is just an unforgettable melody right there. Shout out to the RZA on that. And even the, the album art was, was dope as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, T.O., what, what's, your, what's your thoughts on, um, on Iron Man? Let's force Ghostface Ghost. <laughs> he got one of the coolest albums in Iron Man because he got so much of a unique voice. <laughs> but, uh, but like, like I said, like, like, like to uh, piggyback what he said, you know, he was coming up with a lot of sling, and and you could tell that Ghostface is a huge fan of old school songs, though. Cause there was a oh, lot yeah. of songs that you could tell was like from the '60s and '70s, even from the joint he had with Mary J. Blige, and you know that's one of the biggest records of his albums. <laughs> Ghostface was one of the people that actually talked about a lot about what the reality was, probably love himself. But you know we got to go back, go to his loud ass voice. You know he's enough <laughs> recognizable. <laughs> you know that's one of the most recognizable voices and everything. I know people touch later on. You know that whole comparison with Action Bronson or whatever. I know. That probably his idol who, who cares but back to ghostface i always felt like this was more like uh a bit of um like a, I, I felt this was more of a soulful but also raw type album as well and but, you know what i'm very glad to that you mentioned something you specifically just said not too long ago you could tell that ghostface loves old old school songs and that's very evident because uh the delphonics is on after the smoke is clear Yes, it is. Delphonics. So like yes. that. Yeah, the Delphonics is on there. Yep. So that in and of itself tells you that this guy grew up with an appreciation of of, of music. You know what I mean? Yep. And uh, QG, your, your your thoughts on uh, on on Iron Man and uh, Ghostface first album? Well, with this with this album, well with this album, we also got another one. We got a, we got another appreciation. That's right. I gotta take them off for here. There's only one, and that's me. You understand? So I was all that fighting. Sucker think he good. Sucker think he could whoop me. Well, I know he can't. <laughs> and for those that need to know what that is, that is the movie, The Education of Sonny Carson. That's yes. the first time I actually heard about that. I was like, what is this movie? This may, And that's another thing you got to appreciate, too, with the clan. They make you want to research. And oh, with Ghostface oh, Killer, they make you want to research. And with Iron Man, it, it that's exactly what it did. Ghostface, yeah. No, no, keep going. I, I want to. No, back. Um, Ghostface. Ghostface is my favorite member of the Wu Tang Clan for the for the for the specific reason. He is one of the most brilliant, vivid storytellers ever. He can paint pictures with his words. All you brothers said the truth. His wordplay, his delivery on how he brings this stuff together. And when you look at the songs, after the smoke is clear, assassination day. Poisonous darts, you know, Wu will survive. And you guys mentioned his music. Ghostface is a big Michael Jackson fan. You know, you hear the you hear the you hear the singing of the hooks 
you know, Wu Tang will survive. No, no, that's that's a that's following the Jackson Five formula. Ghostface is a musician. You know what I mean? And you you could also mention Black Jesus. You could mention he takes emotions and he brings it. That's one thing too that separates him from from also from the other members of the group. He gives you emotional content. And my brother E spoke about Motherless Child. He's opening up about his upbringing. The whole thing about picking the roaches out the cereal box and sleeping in cold rooms and sharing a bed with his brothers and just it was just so much going on in his life that he pulled the curtain back and he showed you who he was. And that's why a lot of people appreciate Iron Man because it's just a masterpiece. Absolutely. And then like like you said, he has a he is a real big fan of old school songs. Not only old school songs, but movies, because you could tell you watch movies too, because let me let me refresh my memory. I was listening to the song Wildfire, and I was like, when I first heard it, I said, okay. And then when I watched the movie JD's Revenge, I was like, wait, whoa. Let me hold right. up pause that video. Let me make let me hear this part again. I was like, oh shit. So I was like, yeah, this man was a real huge fan of like 60s or 70s music and movies. And JD's Revenge, by the way, guys, you may not know that's a old black exploitation film with a uh, Glenn Turman. Uh, absolutely, it stands up there in the lexicon of old school films. Yep. All right, my, my man, uh, E, we're gonna turn it over to you for this next portion. Um, there's some members that we didn't touch on only because you know we feel like the others that we named, you know, Rayquans, ODBs, the Method Mans, they had impactful solo albums, not to diminish what everybody else did, but uh, can you touch on uh, Capadonna, Inspector Deck, uh, Master Killer, and You God, uh, for those who may not know? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Capadonna was the most respected within the group lyrically. A lot of those guys got influence from him. Method Man himself said it, that Capadonna was a big influence on how he rapped. And little known tidbit here, he was supposed to sound with EPMD, they had eyes on him when they went to a show in Staten Island, but there was a lot of uh, turmoil between Eric and Parrish during that time, so they couldn't get the paperwork right to get him. Cap wait, wait. actually, huh? I'm sorry. Wait, wait. Capadonna, EPMD? Yep. Oh, wow. That would have been yeah. some crazy shit. Every day, <laughs> every episode of this podcast, we, when we record, one of us learns something that we ain't know before that takes us by surprise. Yeah, man. It ne never fails. Things. But uh, go, go ahead, E. Yeah, and he um, actually had dropped 10 albums, Capadonna, up to this date. Uh, the first one was The uh, Pillage, which had one of my favorite songs, Slang Ed Editorial. Classic. Solid, solid first album there. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll get right into uh, Inspector Deck. And he's a top-tier lyricist in Wu-Tang. He's kind of um, along the jizzle lane, where he drops uh, knowledge and is super lyrical, super sharp with his. And he actually dropped about uh, 13 albums, including the ones he has with uh, Zarface. Zarface picked up a lot of steam in um, these past couple of years. Absolutely. For those of y'all who haven't heard Zarface yet, uh, shout outs to Get On Down, because that's where I get all my Zarface stuff from. But uh, that 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 boy got some heat. But uh, sorry to cut you off, bro. Continue. All good. Yeah, man. Then we got uh, Master Killer. And as far as all the members, he keeps it the most consistent with the Wu-Tang style, with the knowledge rap that he provides to the group. He got a nice little uh, four-album catalog there. Um, also going to touch on You God, quietly dropped seven albums. He has the most recognizable voice besides Method Man of the Clan. Yep. Golden Arms. Yeah, boy. So now we talked about Enter the 36 Chambers, but 
let, 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 let's play a little game here and and uh and rank the first four Wu-Tang albums. Um, you know, because after ODB dies, I, I really don't count anything after as, you know, full-fledged Wu-Tang albums because they're missing a member. But um, so we have Enter the 36 Chambers, which I think all of us will agree is number one. And we'll go around the room. Rank through two. I want you guys to rank numbers two through four um, between Wu-Tang Forever, the W and Iron Flag. So, QG, we started off with you. Um, numbers two through four. Or a matter of fact, you know what? Go one through four, just in case for some reason you don't think that Enter the 36 Chambers is uh, number one on that list. Oh, man, um, you will get no debate from me there with uh, 36 Chambers as being number one. 36 Chambers is number one, no question. Uh, I definitely got to say Wu-Tang Forever is number two. And, um, you know, a double CD. It's a personal favorite of mine because not only of the songs, but I also had the enhanced CD version for the CD-ROMers out there that messed with Windows. That goddamn uh, video game that they put in that, they, that messed up my computer so yeah. My mother wanted to whip my ass so bad. <laughs> that oh, that game did Lord. not work properly on Windows 98. Like, it didn't work for you, man. Oh man. Uh, so 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 definitely so definitely that. And you and you also said uh, between Iron Flag and the W. And the W, yeah. Uh, I gotta put Iron Flag in there as number three. And I'll put the W in there as number four. The later albums I did get into as a Wu fan. And, you know, it didn't have the commercial impact. Not that I care about that. But it's good that you see your favorites get the critical acclaim that they deserve. And a lot of changes was going on. This is 2000, 2001. There's gaps in between these albums. A lot has happened. So there's changes in personalities, there's changes in production and styles. But to answer your question, to give all you brothers a chance to do your thing, 36 Chambers, Wu-Tang Forever, Iron Flag, and the W, that's my rank. And and it's funny you mentioned gaps because, you know, look at the, the time periods. Enter the 36 Chambers is 93, Wu-Tang Forever is 97, the W is 2000, Iron Flag is 2001. Eight yep. diagrams doesn't follow until 2007, so that's a whole six-year layoff collectively. But yep. I get what you mean. Yo, uh, T.O., uh, one through four, the first four albums, uh, what you got? Well, everybody will say that Into the 36 is also number one and Wu-Tang Forever is number two. Me, personally, it's a bit of a toss-up as far as the Iron Flag and W. I thought they both live up to the best they can. I felt like the W a bit more because at that time, we was getting to see more of other people like Nas, Redman, Busta Rhymes. And, you know, it was good to see a, a couple of more people outside of even Nas. So I put the W and then Iron Flag as last. Iron Flag was a good album, but I felt like W was a bit more collective. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about um, you, E? How you rank? how you ranking the first four? Yeah, I'm pretty much going to mirror what T.O. said there. Um, well, of course, um, 36 Chambers is just classic, just based off the sound and the grittiness of that. W, of course, falls in number two. We were blessed to get a double disc from them. Um, I'm going to actually go with the W as well as third, like T.O. said, because this is the first album that they actually branched off and did collaborations. They had Snoop, Redman, Nas, Busta, and Junior Reed. Um, short album, but it was a good album. Iron Flag was good as well, but you could kind of see, uh, well, hear the frustration in some of their raps there. 
things kind of started uh, falling apart through those albums. And then uh, later on, which we didn't count, you had albums like, you know, A Better Tomorrow, Eight Diagrams. It, it, they, it seemed like these guys just kind of forgot what it was to be a group based on their solo, solo success. Yep. You know, I also think because we, we probably talked, me, Chris, and uh, uh, QG and uh, Al talk about this a lot. Because during that time when Eight Diagrams came out, it's like it, it was just hard to compete with the whole, you know, the whole dancing era and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I felt like it was getting overshadowed by that. And yep, yep. It, the members like, hated it. Yeah, the members they hated the album. They, they spoke yeah. out about I it. Felt, I felt like that album was rushed. And like you said, you could hear it in their voices that they didn't really put much effort into the Eight Diagrams album. And and, and I also felt because, come on now, with the uh, ODB gone, it was hard, man. That's I felt like it also stems for the death of ODB. Because you need that bit of a hype and charismatic, crazy, drunken monk like him to be on the album and everything. And I, that's why I felt Eight Diagrams went wrong. Yeah, it worked. And, um... I'm gonna I'm gonna go into the 36 chambers now. I may catch some heat for what I'm about to say, because oh. uh, every time we get feedback on this podcast, people always pick and choose. You know, oh, yeah, Alfred said this. Yo, that man is crazy. He's wilding. But Ooh. even though Enter the 36 chambers is one, Wu Tang Forever is I feel is is maybe just a half of a notch down from Enter the 36 chambers, like. Mm -hmm. I just feel like that album is just, it could, it, I mean, it's going to fall off eventually, but it could compete in parts with, with Enter the 36 Chambers. Like, I don't know, Wu-Tang Wu -Tang Forever has, like, I feel like I could, I could just bump that, you know what I mean? Like, like, and, like and y'all get, get what I'm trying to say, right? Well, yeah. I mean, well, you got a lot of songs to choose from. It's a double CD, so yeah, most definitely you could, uh, you could pick and choose and it was, um, from where you want to play because Cash Still Rules and and uh, yeah. and it's yours, two of my uh, most favorite uh, Wu Tang songs of all time. Um, I'm gonna put the W over Iron Flag as number three, only because Iron Flag, like, 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 like he said, like Iron Flag, you can around the time Iron Flag, you can tell you know the group is like they just not into it, like they sound like kind of disgruntled, like you hear the frustration. Um, right. ODB is um is is nowhere to, is nowhere to be found there and uh and Capadonna's not on there either so like you know like you you're missing you're missing I feel like ODB is just a huge omission from from everything just that's just my opinion though but yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna just go in the order that the albums was released as one through four um for this part of the conversation because you know it just gets crazy I'm gonna turn things over to E and let him speak his piece. As our as our Wu Tang expert, so in doing my research, and usually when we do the shows, like you know, me QGTO, depending on the topic, either we do research or we go off the top of the head. So like for example, the Tupac episode, the Master P episode, I didn't have to research at all because I I fucks with them hardcore heavy. You know everything is in the dome. Wu Tang, I thought everything was in the dome, but then. I start hearing about American Cream Team and Theodore <laughs> Unit and Wu and Wu Syndicate. So, no. so, so, E, we're gonna turn it over to you. Can you tell us about all these Wu affiliates and 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 if any of them ever played like any importance at all? 
Well, to this known date, it is 180 affiliates of Wu Tang Clan. Oh, oh my lord! Yeah, I'm not gonna. It's touch more that. than Staten Island. Mm-hmm. The whole borough. That's the whole borough. That's the whole Stapleton, West Brighton, all that. <laughs> Somebody call gonna, the people of Mariners Harbor. Right. I'm not gonna touch on all 100 affiliates. I mean, some of them span due uh, two to two to the West Coast. We have uh, Sons of Men. Which had uh, Killer Priest in there, Killer Army, which probably was um, the best subgroup from Wu Tang. Those dudes were like a miniature version of Wu Tang. These guys, super lyrical MCs, dope style from Staten Island as well. Black Knights and North Star were from the West Coast as well. We did have uh, Takitha, who's on some of the Wu Tang albums as well, and uh, Blue Raspberry too, who we did touch on. And um, some of my favorite names, the Ruthless Bastards. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> what a name! Oh, I forgot man. about the ruthless bastards. <laughs> yeah, you could catch them on like the Swarm albums or um, the Sting albums. They did have a couple of um, compilation albums they released under the radar, and also uh, another favorite name of mine, the Beggars, which is a pretty fun fun name right there. Um, Wu Syndicate as well, which wasn't one of their best groups, but they released an album from Grave Diggers, which wasn't a Wu Tang affiliate but rizzo was uh heavily on um production there and on the MCing as well they actually formed in 1991 before wu-tang had got together rizzo was a uh, part of that group with prince paul yeah mm. the same prince paul that um that was producing for de la soul yes yes that prince yes. paul okay oh and he bought his guys it. from uh, long island from statistonic there i always oh, love 100 suicide yeah then you got the American Cream Team, which was formed in uh, in spite of Wu-Tang, because Raekwon, when he was making a mobility, kind of wanted to do his own thing and didn't have no members of Wu-Tang or no RZA production. So he had his own guys featured on that album pretty heavy. Let me ask you a question um, right there. So, because you said he, he, he wanted to, like, do his own thing in spite. So, like, so was he was he beefing with the Wu at that time? Well, supposedly there was a back and forth between him and Method Man and RZA, and um, Method Man riding off the high, riding high off his success, pretty much was letting Raekwon know on some meth first chef type tip, and Raekwon took that because he's kind of sensitive when it comes to stuff like that, and uh, he pretty much was saying, you know, forget you guys, I'm just gonna do this thing on my own, no RZA production, no members or anything like that. So he had uh, brought the American Cream Team along with him. I ain't gonna lie, I thought that was another name for the Wu Tang because the first time I heard it was on the Funk Master Flex, and I heard American Right, team. right. Bust it. Right, like, sixty minutes of funk. Right, yeah, that's the first. Yeah, when I heard them, because isn't Inspector Deck on that song as well? What? Yeah, Meth the Man as well. Yeah, Meth was on there. Yep. And the thing is with Meth, you know, as much as they would go back and forth, he had a lot of love for Raekwon, so he would um appear just on that on the Funk Master Flex. Um, album there in that cut but as far as uh the cream team itself and raekwon's immobility album no signs of meth no inspector deck nobody like that uh, from wu-tang i ain't gonna lie i i ain't really enjoy much of the immobility uh immobility album yeah i was in a oh, okay. yeah Look, that was, album was, like even even the song sneakers i know it's a pete rock production but i couldn't even get behind that song word yeah i wasn't a big fan of it, it had maybe like one or two cuts but once again, just the frustration too, I guess, like within the group, you could kind of hear it on um, the album too. Yeah. 
Like, and the reason I had to ask you about the affiliates because outside of American Damn, Cream Team, the and, whole and entire borough as an affiliate. Outside of American Cream Team and Theodore Unit, I knew nothing of 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 these people. And shout outs to Theodore Unit because, yeah, 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 yeah. guest verses on on Fish Scale on on Ghostface album, man. Yeah, yeah, Ghost yeah, Crew. Yeah, 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 killed that. Um, now this is where the uh, the conversation is going to take a turn for the sadness. Uh, back in, um, 2004, we lost, um, ODB and, um, it's real, it's real difficult because uh, a couple years back, I went to a rock the bells concert out on governor's Island. And, uh, for those of the, for the people out there who have never been to rock the bells or don't know what rock the bells is, rock the bells is a hip hop concert where they get artists to perform the full albums that made them, you know, who they are, that they're, that they're known for. Yep. And um, they had Snoop Dogg performing Doggy Style and all types of stuff. So it was really cool. So they had Wu-Tang Clan perform Enter the 36 Chambers. And, like, when I tell you they perform these albums, they even do the skits, everything. Like, everything <laughs> yeah. they perform. Yeah, and, that's right. And they, but when, for ODB's verses, they had his son, Boy Jones, fill in for his pops. And, like, it just wasn't the same, man. And, like... Me, you know, being in the crowd, like, vibing out to those songs, every time it came up to an ODB part, like, I don't know, it, it felt like, it, I felt like a little hurt, like it, like it lost, like I lost somebody that I actually knew personally, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, yeah. and I know I said this earlier, but ODB had one more album after Return to the 36, and, um, it, I mean, his biggest hit is with Mariah Carey, don't get me wrong. Oh, but, Lord. <laughs> what you what you mean, oh Lord? I love that song. No, 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 because because trouble. well, why why he's saying that is because there's a story there's a story behind that record. That's, That's why he he said that. You you want to tell the story, QG, since you brought it up? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, supposedly uh, for those that know that uh, Puffy, he's the one who uh, helped produce that record, the Fantasy Remix. And uh, the story goes, the studio session that they booked. ODB is in the same building. So he's walking past and he hears it. So he just walks in. He's like, yo, I want to get on that. Boy just gets in the booth, <laughs> does his thing, didn't write down nothing. Everything was just coming from, from, from the heart and from the soul. So all that, me and Mariah go back like babies and pass of fire. It just, it just fit so good. And then once he did his part, he left. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like That's ODB. And, and a lot of people forget this, but at the time that he passed away, he was signed to Rockefeller, which oh, was, yes. which to me was, was, was very interesting. And, uh, he had that one song, Lift Your Skirt. Um, and they said he was working on an album, but none of that material, uh, at least to my knowledge, has ever been unearthed. But I just well, found let that, me, yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. E, if you could touch on this, E. I read that there was like there was some issues between Dame Dash and RZA. Have you yeah. heard about that? Can you touch yeah. on that? There was. I mean, RZA was beefing pretty much with the whole clan, and he let go of most of their contracts, but he wanted to hold ODB's contract more than anybody. And you know how Dame Dash is, and he has a reputation of being very outlandish and very uh, loudly spoken when it comes to trying to get what he wants. But um, RZA did not want to let go of his contract or any of the rights, and in the documentary, they touch on that as well, where there was problems between Dame Dash and RZA and ODB trying to do his own thing. And even on ODB's second album, 
um, Negro Please, he didn't have any Wu Tang features either on that mm. album. On that album too. Yeah. So there's still a bit of uh, turmoil between both estates, but Dame Dash never really got to fully release ODB's album. Um, he had his own problems too with uh, Rockefeller as well. Dame Dash did. Damn, wow. man. Is ODB property too? He was. Yeah, yeah. They once again more problems with Dame Dash and his group state property fell out as well. And yeah. and it, it's just unfortunate because uh, the man left left behind such a small body of work compared to all the other members' solo projects. So we don't even know what he could have what he could have uh, been or accomplished. And it, it's just it's just tough to think about. You know what I mean? I think hey, you know I, you know I'm glad you brought that up. Sorry to cut you off. Also, ODB's legal trouble when he was going through a lot of issues, and um, you know when you are a fan of somebody, you want to see them get back on their feet. And we really wanted ODB to just get back out there, make those records, make us laugh, make us dance. You know, and the fact that you know he died so suddenly, it was just it was just heartbreaking. Go ahead, T.O. I know, I know you wanted to chime in. Yeah, go ahead, T.O. So, talk about it. The last time I heard from ODB, and I'm surprised this did not go on the Big Bang album, or maybe I, maybe I read it wrong, because I think he recorded a song with Buster Rhymes called Where's Your Money? So it felt like a bit of a woo-ha reunion, but it was mm. never on Buster <laughs> Rhymes' album. And that's the last time I heard from ODB the, during the time that he passed away. I said, oh, snap, he actually had a... And this was actually a real recorded verse. And like it's just, it's just all, it's just all un- unfortunate because you know he the man did have his his personal troubles and whatnot like like we all do some some darker and deeper than others but yeah I mean he, he is he is missed um, we're gonna play a very interesting game to to finish off the conversation now we didn't talk about all the debut solo albums out there we would go around the room one by one um. As far as the members' solo projects, not counting anything that we've talked about, we'll start with you first, Eric. Um, what's your favorite? What's your favorite uh, Wu Wu member solo album other than anything that we touched on? Master Killer, No Said Date. Any re- any particular reason? It just carries that same Wu Tang sound and the formula. And it's funny because I got a homie, an MC in Philly, who uh, he gigs on me because, you know, I support Master Killer and always uh, throw him in there in the conversation. And he asked me, he's like, you can't even name one Master Killer song. I said, do that dance. He started oh, laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if people aren't familiar with that album or anything, it actually has the uh, Sanford and Son uh, sampled song on there with ODB yes. on the hook. Oh, my mm. goodness. Yeah. But that was a pretty solid album. The production is tight. It still has, like I said, that same formula. I think there is a posse cut on there, which um, a couple of the members just spitting that Wu Tang shit that we all love. All right, T.O., what about you? Any any Wu Tang solo solo album is your favorite that we didn't touch already? Oh man, you know what? I I was I was glad when Inspector Deck finally came out with his album of mm. Uncontrolled Substance in '99. Because yeah. this man, uh, the reason why I say this is one of my favorite albums because I was dying for him to actually come out with an album because all the buzz he has. And you know what a lot of people love to do when it comes to Expected Deck? They always love to put him first on a collaboration because yeah. either way, you know he's going to bring out some crazy shit like on the song Triumph, which is always talked about to this day. One of the 
greatest leading starts of a song off the back or a verse. So when I heard Uncontrolled Substance, I said, yo, this is actually a great, good album. Now, I know it was not much of a, you know, mostly of a RZA. RZA wasn't much on it. He did. True Master had a little bit of it. Um, Pete Rock also had a bit of a, his his time. Fourth Disciple was on it. Mathematics, un, um, underrated producer, in my opinion. But when I heard uh, Uncontrolled Substances, I, I, I personally felt great of the album. I felt the album deserves its mention. Cool, cool. QG, same question, bro. Okay, so uh, just to clarify, I can mention a, uh, a member and I could mention an album that we did not discuss. Ooh, all right. Lay it oh, on us. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> I think I know where we're going. I mean, T.O. knows me well. He's got the artist, but the album, Tommy Matola. Hey. Wait, wait, wait. Now, hold on. Now, hold, 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 hold. now, you know I am the official hook singer on this podcast. You cannot, you cannot sing hooks without, without my permission, sir. Oh, and yeah. You, well, and and mean, you're, not even, you're not even doing it I'm justice, just bro. Listen, if you want the audio to crack, you go ahead and sing. Go ahead. Nah. <laughs> Tommy Matola lives on the road. Hey, when you hear this, just make just cover your ears. Yo, don't, 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 don't play me. But now nah, go on. Now, nah, Supreme Client, tell us uh, go. Supreme, but, uh, tell us why, bro. Oh, man. Um, exactly. <laughs> Supreme, Supreme Clientel, it just, it just, it just brings Ghostface to another level. Here you have him away from Iron Man, now he's going into something. He's he, he's giving you the growth of him as an MC and him as a person. And he still had his brothers on there. He still kept it real. Like he was touching on with Master Killer, Ghost is going to keep the essence of the woo and he's going to give you more of himself this time. It showed so much maturity and so much knowledge and so much education coming from ghosts like supreme clientele you could just throw that on and you could talk about nutmeg you could exactly and another thing with ghosts him and food when it comes to food <laughs> yo that's true man he's undefeated and uh so that's that's my favorite right there shout out to ghosts man and um i'm gonna keep on the same wave um ghost like i don't know if i told y'all this offline like in conversation of years past but Ghost is my favorite member of the Wu individually. And yeah. um, like I said, Ghost, I feel like Ghost has three classics under his belt. Iron Man, Supreme Clientele, and my personal favorite, Fish Scale. Like, I love mm. Fish Scale. Like, the reason why I, I picked Fish Scale, because one, uh, every single member of the Wu is featured on that album. Number two, if you look, like, it doesn't sound like, it, it sounds more than just like a, a, a typical Wu-Tang album. If you look at the, the the tracks he got, he had tracks from Jay Dilla, he had tracks from MF Doom, Just Blaze, uh, and even and even Puff, and Cool and Dre, and um yo Three Bricks with uh with Biggie and Raekwon, fire yeah. fire fire yeah. fire, um yeah man so Fish Scale Fish Scale and and that album was on Def Jam um he ended up getting picked up by Def Jam later on um. Yeah, that and uh, my, an honorable mention goes to. Uh, I know a lot of people, a lot of true hip hop heads don't count this as a as a Wu Tang album, but I feel like we can't get off this episode without talking about Wu Massacre, man. Like, hey. Meth, Meth, Ghost, and Chef. Yo, Gun Showers is my shit. Like, man, great song. 
great yeah, album. Man, like, like, yo, shout outs to Def Jam for putting that out, man, because that, that that album was a banger right there. All right, so before we wrap it up, we go around the room one last time. Uh, uh, e, we start with you first. Uh, what you think Wu Tang's legacy is in in the game of rap? And also, that- E, before you answer that question, my bad, brother, you gotta you also gotta throw in your knowledge about that Hulu series, man. Tie it into there. Oh yeah, so as far as the Hulu series, they got the um of Mikes and Men, four episodes deep. Actually, it's on um Showtime, but you know I got the Fire Stick, but it debuted on Hulu of Mikes and Men. That was a beautiful series. If anybody want to get some knowledge on Wu Tang, they also have the um the other Amer- um, American Sagas on Hulu yes. too. Yep. Yes. Yep. That one is uh loosely based on fact. It's not all fact. It's um more so uh, using the actors and stuff. Joey Badass is there playing Inspector Deck. Got a couple of recognizable faces on that as well. But um the of Mikes and Men that is uh the uh, Wu documentary that they all did and collaborated on. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. And, and as far as, as the legacy, what, yeah, what, what's your opinion on that? That W is just so recognizable. Can't can't mistake that W for anything else. You know, you see that W, you know what time it is. And worldwide, everybody knows Wu-Tang, you know. They know either that W, they know Met the Man, they know ODB. It just touched so many people in so many different places in the world. Even to this day, you know, their sons have um, their own rap group as well. So they saw they continuing that legacy. You got a uh, met the man's son, ODB son is there as well. You God and uh, Jizza's son too. And um, for those of y'all, because y'all know this is just strictly audio, but for those of y'all that can't see it, my man E got on a fire Wu Tang shirt right now. That, that <laughs> razor yes. sharp, sharp right now. Representing, representing the razor sharp. Uh, to what's your what's your take on Wu Tang's legacy? Man, it, what can you say? It's just timeless. And, you know, but what I'm just going to say overall is just a big of a game changing if hip hop, not only in hip hop, but as far as hip hop groups, like I, like we talked about earlier, they came on to let the world know that, yo, for as far as New York goes, this is a Staten Island point of view. We're coming off with some, you know, fresh sound that no one has ever heard. So simply groundbreaking. All right, it's like it's like breaking the rules. They just groundbreaking, in my opinion. Uh, QG, what about you, bro? Well, um, before I go into their legacy, in February twenty second of twenty twenty, there was a swarm of forty thousand killer bees that attacked first responders in California. That was actually Wu Tang that did that. Oh, come, yo, come, on, that. come on, come on, come on! Just a uh, just a little throw in there with the with the killer bees and everything. Uh, like you guys touched on, uh, the W will always always be appreciated, and it's part of culture. It's transcended everywhere. You go anywhere in the world, you will see the Wu Tang symbol. You will see the W, whether it be T-shirts, whether it be hats, whether it be any type of apparel, the music, the sound, it will last forever and ever and ever. You could many years from now can go by and you will always know about Wu-Tang. You will always you could point to these different records. They are the greatest group, in my opinion, collectively and showing their individual personalities and still being able to come together and create a sound that no one ever had being original. And it also influences and 
inspires people to be original, be yourself, bring your own talent, bring your own flavor and work hard at it and stay true to yourself. That's what Wu represents. They are true to themselves. And you know what I like about Wu-Tang? Nobody's whack. Yeah. Everybody's nice. Everybody. That, that's true because, and we even said it on a, a previous episode where we was talking about rappers and their crews. Like, you always got maybe one or two members that, you know, don't really have no business in the studio. But to your point, Wu-Tang, every single member is, is, is talented. You know what I mean? Like, they don't, they're not bringing nobody to the studio or putting nobody on a record that don't belong there. Word up. Al, what about you, Al? What do you think? Yo, I got nothing but respect in the world for Wu-Tang because it's not like they came about in the early days of rap, like in the, in the early 70s or even the 80s. And, and put their neighborhood on like um hip-hop was already well established by that point especially in new york city and they just like took a place that had no relevance to the culture no relevance to the genre no relevance to the music whatsoever and they put on man like like i feel like if wu-tang clan never came out uh shaolin aka staten island would you know like be like the lost city of atlantis when it comes to hip-hop in new york like they just be non-existent so Yo, uh, agreed. That that particular balls are still lost in Atlanta. I take that S forty six bus. Every damn block. I don't know where the hell I'm going. Yo, like, and like I said earlier, the only thing I knew of Staten Island is you just got to take a boat to get there, man. So, or or go over to Verrazano. So it's like, you know, I, I I give them infinite infinite respect, and I I love the woo more uh, just as much as everybody else do. And um, their legacy, I feel like it'll never be tarnished or diminished. You know what I mean? Super um, influential. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we come to the end. Uh, e, um, before we get off here, just tell everybody um, uh, what the name of the barbershop is and where it is and and what times they can find you there. Yeah, that's Hellgate Grooming and Astoria Boulevard and Twenty First Street. You guys, catch me there any time of the week, or you could just hit my Instagram. That's Rev hit me up on that book your appointment or just get at me give me a little follow i know you guys mentioned the shirt and everything but also forgot to show y'all i got um the tattoo as well oh my man got the woo oh, tattoo. oh, oh shit, shit. Oh, oh, oh. i turned it up i turned fire. it into with the speakers and all that, that oh, that's fire. dope that's fire that hot right there man set in the middle that's fire yo let me ask you um hell's gate grooming y'all open during the quarantine right well, we just opened um last week Tuesday. We weren't allowed to open up because you know um we had to follow the guidelines and stuff. Right. So all um like some of the new glass, um barriers and stuff like that. Cool, cool. And you say y'all located in Astoria, right? If I yeah. got that right. Yeah, Astoria, Twenty First Street in Astoria Boulevard. Ladies and gentlemen out there listening to Rap Lab, if you need a haircut, you contact this man. If you getting married. And Mac, this go for you too. You contact that man. <laughs> you got a party or any event? You, you you got a party or any event hosted? Yo, he is a good dude, man. Like let it, let him, let him, let him uh be the efficient for your wedding, man. He gonna he gonna make y'all proud, man. One hundred percent cosign, hundred percent support business, support independent business. This is my man right here, guaranteed. That's for you. My man <laughs> Eric is the first member of the extended Rap Lab family. And, yeah. uh, we, we 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 appreciate we we appreciate you being uh, uh down to do an episode with us and you know man I don't I don't think this is gonna be the last time you ever come on the podcast bro. Hey man, I'm looking forward to it, man. Thank you guys for the platform and uh, once again that's revbarber.mc r e v b a r b e r dot m c on Instagram. 
and uh right. absolutely and um as y'all know if y'all look at our descriptions on spotify and uh apple uh we always tag everybody instagram in this so for this episode eric's uh info will be in there as well as the info for the barbershop as well so Al, uh, Al, Al, before you cap it off we got to end it the right way what's the right way so what's up man cool and cool and chill chill yo you know i had to call <laughs> you know why right why because <laughs> yo I never, ever call and ask you to play something, right? Yeah, yeah. You know what I want to hear, right? What you want to hear? I want to hear that Wu-Tang joint. Wu-Tang again? Oh, again and again. And on that. Had to do that. Yo, and on that note, that, that, there's no better way to end this episode. And like I said, man, this episode right here, the Rap Lab is for the children, man. So, uh, we, you know, uh, we, just, we just had to show Wu some love, man. So uh, we catch y'all next week. And uh, yeah, this has been the Rap Lab. We out. Yes, sir. Peace.